0: Possum Magic is one of Australia's most well-loved books, which makes its author Mem Fox one of Australia's most well-loved authors. It's definitely one of the first books I read to my children. She's a retired Associate Professor of Literacy Studies and an award-winning author. She's written over 40 books for children. Mem is a strong advocate of literacy and reading, and she joins us on the line from Adelaide. We're very excited to have you on the show, Mem. How are you?
1: I'm really good, Siobhan. Thank you.
0: Thanks for having me. Your latest book is called I'm Australian Too, and it's such a beautiful story about all the different people who make up this country. What inspired you to write this book?
1: Look, I, I was I was a bit cross, to tell you the honest truth. I'm I'm getting crosser and crosser, in fact, um, because there are a few people in this country who have very loud, very nasty voices, and they speak against newcomers in a, in a really horrible way, and they speak very roughly and very unkindly about refugees, and I thought, you know. Their voices are too loud. There are lots of Australians. Most Australians are not horrible. They're not nasty. They are welcoming. They're very kind. We are a very kind, warm, welcoming, beautiful people. I think Australians are just beautiful. And uh, just a few, of, a few of us were, were sounding r- really horrible, <laughs> And so I decided that I would write a book that uh, made people aware that nobody came here uh, from nowhere except the Aborigines and that we were all new- newcomers at one time or another in our past and that, you know, we need to, we need to remember that, that we all came from somewhere else and to welcome everybody else who comes from somewhere else. Because the country is beautifully, um, I don't know, it's cohesive. You know, we all live together happily, uh, much more happily than most other places in the world. And I wanted to keep it like that. But when you're cross, Siobhan, when you're cross, you can't write a cross book. Because nobody wants to read crossness. (laughs) No. You know, so I wrote a very jolly book, a very... Um, upbeat, bouncy, rhythmic dare book, so that people, when they read it, would feel incredibly happy and would also understand something of our history without getting too bogged down in it.
0: So, in the book, you uh, acknowledge Australia's First Nations. And when you say, um, you basically celebrate people who've come from around the globe. So, we were talking Ireland, Italy, Greece, China, Lebanon, Vietnam, Somalia, Syria and Afghanistan, and the last person is a refugee waiting for their case to be accepted. As you mentioned just then, you couldn't write an angry book, but you have certainly written one that shows the complexity of life in Australia. What's been the response to your book from children and their parents?
1: You know, I I expected that some people would be very negative about it and, you know, think that I was banging some kind of drum that other people didn't want to hear. But I have been absolutely confirmed in my belief that most Australians think, as I do, that we need to welcome newcomers. The response has been fantastic. The book sold out in its first three months and had to be reprinted. People cry at the end of it. You know, so many adults have said, I was in tears at the end of it. And certainly when the book first came out, I couldn't read it without crying at the end. I just couldn't get through it. So it has had a sensational reception, which is makes me feel so hopeful about Australia's future.
0: Is part of that, um, the tears that you hear about, do you think that's partly recognition from people who might otherwise feel ostracised from being considered Australian, in inverted commas? Um, do you think that's why they're crying?
1: No, because it's what I would call in inverted commas, normal Australians who are crying. It's not, you know, necessarily an Afghan Australian or an Italian Australian or a Lebanese Australian. It is normal Australians who just find in this book such a deep love of this country that they, that they are overwhelmed by it. I mean, of course, I've had the most fantastic response from, from people who are mentioned in the book, you know, like I was in a school and a little boy of eight when I said Lebanon... Uh, was once my home. He he almost jumped up, you know, from sitting cross-legged to standing right up on his two feet. He was so excited. said, I'm from Lebanon. My family is from Lebanon. And one of the most moving experiences I had um, was a woman in Victoria, in country Victoria, who came up to me and said, I was a refugee. And I was astounded because we think of refugees now as brown-skinned people, but we have to remember that many of the refugees who came after the Second World War were not brown-skinned at all. They were Europeans. And this woman had been a European refugee from Poland in the 1980s, as late as that, can you imagine? And the best thing of all was, not only had she been a refugee, but she was now a vet.
0: Wow. And that
1: page that says, you know, sadly, I'm a refugee. I'm not Australian yet. But if your country lets me in, I'd love to be a vet. Well, I mean, she said, that's my page. That's nobody else's page but mine.
0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Mem Fox, possibly one of Australia's best-loved children's authors. You might know her from Possum Magic, but she has written over 40 books for children and the latest one is called I'm Australian Too. It's what we're talking about now, what inspired the book and how it represents all the different places we've come from to be Australian. Mem, do you think a book like this can challenge racism before it begins because as you said it's about all Australians and and who we are now but in showing that is that is that part of what could happen with this book
1: look that's what one would hope would happen but you know i'm old enough to know that things like this don't make much difference they don't make much difference unfortunately it's parents who make the difference it's parents saying to children you know these people who come are horrible and they're dangerous you know, the written word doesn't have that, that much of an effect, even though that's why I wrote it, so in the hope that it would have an effect. But I'm not blind to the fact that, you know, it doesn't really have that much of an effect in the long run.
0: The threat of terrorism and the response to it is is possibly what some parents respond to when they, they speak like that and they're making their children fearful of other people. You had a bad experience earlier this year at the hands of the U.S. border control. Do you think there's a way out of this fear? I mean, do you have hope for future generations?
1: Um, only if we elect the right politicians. <laughs> yes. You know, if you keep electing idiots, <laughs> then we're in deep trouble.
0: I should There laugh. are certainly politicians
1: who, uh, who think differently. Um, and you have to find them. You have to look hard to find them. But if you can possibly vote for them, then, then that is the way to go. That's the way to change things. It's leadership. It's parents and it's national leadership. So, um, you know, the experience that I had in the States was absolutely ridiculous. Why a woman of my age, you know, should be taken aside. It, it was just, it was fatuous. It was absolutely ridiculous. They didn't think I was a terrorist, by the way. They didn't think I was a terrorist. Uh, They didn't go that far. They weren't that stupid. Um, But they did think that I had come in on the wrong visa. And the only reason they thought that was because the people who were interviewing me were very badly trained and they didn't understand the system. And I was in the right the whole time. But I went through a very hard time that day, a very hard time. And even though I, I was you know, 70 years old at the time, I sobbed my heart out. I mean, I was in a state of shock to the point where I was, my whole body was shaking. So, um, you know, if that can happen to somebody who has got a European look, you know, a white skin, an, an elderly person, um, somebody who can teach, you, who can speak English fluently, somebody who is very, very self-confident and able to understand, you know, what's going on and stand up for herself. I mean, if that happens to me, what is happening? other people who are confused by language, who are terrified by any kind of uh, authority, it just breaks my heart. It's, it's so, it makes those people so upset and so angry. It's a form of radicalization, you know, the kinder we are, the less trouble we'll have. And people just don't get that.
0: Let's move on to something that won't break your heart, Mem. You've written, as I said before, over 40 children's books. You obviously have a passion for this medium. What What is
1: it about for you? Look, it's only about one thing, really, and that's making children happy. <laughs> um, obviously, I, I want to write the kinds of books that children want to read again and again and again because if children read the same book or have it read to them again and again and again, then uh, naturally they will be able to learn to read much more easily. But even though I was an educator at Flinders University for a thousand years, and even though literacy is my absolute passion, and I'm desperate for people to be um, able to read and write very soon after they start school so that they're not held back in life, let alone in school, in spite of all of that, in spite of that... Mega passion of mine. I never sit down to write thinking I'm going to educate children. Never. I only sit down to write to think, will this book make children happy?
0: It's brilliant. Well, speaking about books that make kids happy, which were the ones that made you smile when you were growing up?
1: Well, I'm old <laughs> and um, and I grew up in Africa, so there are lots of books that I loved which... Kids wouldn't even know about today. Um, there was a man called Leslie Reese uh, who wrote lots and lots of Australian animal books. And um, he wrote, book, he, my favorite of his books was a book called Shy the Platypus, which was really dramatic and fantastic. Another one called Red the Big Kangaroo. Um, they were absolutely wonderful books. They were fantastic. I read all the Billabong books by Mary Grant Bruce, which had been published Look, in the 1920s, even my mother had read those as a child. absolutely loved those. I loved Thinky Bill. I loved Snuggle Pot and Cuddle Pie. All of those Australian books I really loved when I was growing up in Africa. It made me feel like an Australian child, which I was, but I wasn't growing up here.
0: Book Week's just around the corner. What place do you think books have in an increasingly digital age?
1: Look, do you know what the difference between books and screens is? Um, screens are fascinating and they keep you occupied. There's a lot of good stuff on screens, really good stuff, but screens don't make you feel like books do. Books can make you extremely sad. Books can make you laugh so that you roll back on your bottom and your feet touch the ceiling. You know, that your feet face the ceiling. Books can make you think really hard about being courageous, Um, books can make you feel, think really hard about being vile to other people. Books make you feel. They touch your heart. They change you. Screens just flash and keep you entertained. And as far as I'm concerned, that's great, but it's not enough.
0: madam it's been an Absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your time today.
1: My great pleasure.
0: That's Mem Fox. She's the author of I'm Australian Too, lots of other books as well, including Possum Magic. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.